Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely in the right place. I say that every time, and we always mean it because we think it is true. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. Oh, my. Here's a quote from two gentlemen who write about business, uh, Paul J.H. Shoemaker and Philip E. Tetlock, writing for the Sloan Review at MITEDU. Listen to this. They say, a company that can make the right decision three times out of five as opposed to 2.8 out of 5, can gain an upper hand over its competitors. What are we talking about here? We're talking about data. We're talking about intelligence. We're talking about using what you have to beat the competitors and go out there and, and play a good game. So let's talk a little more here. Many businesses that strive to innovate beyond basic digital transformation. Come on, everybody's going through it. If your company hasn't started, you're late. Climb on the bandwagon. Do something about it. It's a digital world, period. But when you want to go beyond that, you want to get your performance at its peak. You want to be a efficient. You want productivity from your processes, from your people, from everything. Well, you may be stymied and held back by repetitive processes, ho-hum, and a lack of resources. Might take some funding there. So what's the problem with this if you're a little slow to improve performance efficiency and productivity? Well, something called machine learning. We're going to talk about that today. There are machine learning algorithms that can propel your company to new levels by making your process intelligent. How? With self-learning software. How? That's what we're here to talk about today. So the question on the table, number one, is are you an intelligent enterprise yet? And number two, are you harnessing the power of machine learning to get there? I have a panel of three experts. They all happen to be from SAP. They are experts at different aspects of this. Let me tell you who they are, and then we'll open up with the quotes. So in just a moment, I will introduce you to Andreas Welsh, Business Development Lead for Machine Learning at SAP. AP. Joining him on the panel, Dr. Dirk Jendraska, Head of Strategy and Operations for Machine Learning at SAP. And rounding out the panel, Dr. Urko Sanchez, Machine Learning Development Manager and Expert at SAP. So we have definitely three experts here. Let me circle back to Andreas now and let's see what quote he sent us for the opening of the show. Okay, this is a quote from Tom Peters. Uh, one of our favorite quotees, and the quote, Tom Peters, by the way, Thomas J. Tom Peters, 1942 born, American writer on business management practices, best known for In Search of Excellence, co-authored with Robert H. Waterman, Jr. And let's see what the quote is. If a window of opportunity appears, don't pull down the shade. Fabulous quote. Andreas Welsh, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today, Andreas? Good. How are you, Bonnie? Thanks so much for having me. Oh, we're delighted to have you. And we have to do a shout-out to Adam Mardini, who is working with Ira Burke, the sponsor of the series, to set up the show. And thank you, Adam. I'm looking forward to a great conversation with your three experts. So, Andreas, Tom Peters, In Search of Excellence, way back in 1982. I don't even know if you were born then. But this is an interesting quote on life. How does it relate to our topic today, intelligent enterprise and machine learning? Please tell us something. Sure. Thanks. Well, I think it's it's um, even more relevant 
today than it has been when when Tom Peters uh, first first made that quote. Um, because I think today um, we are seeing such a window of opportunity in, in front of us, right here and, and right now, through um, technologies like machine learning, um, through things like the intelligent enterprise um, that that help us think differently about the way businesses are run, connections are made with um, customers and consumers, and how we can create value. So I think um, that's that's one of the key things here, how we interact with people, both within organizations, but also outside, um, and, and how we can make meaningful impact here and use technology um, to solve problems that have been unsolvable until this point, or at least very hard to solve. Um, very interesting. Yep, go ahead. I think it's up to us as individuals to decide how we want to embrace this, right? We want to mm-hmm. seize the opportunity or pull down the shade on it. Interesting. Let me ask you a question. Machine learning, is it that easily available, that easily implementable by companies? Because if we're saying the window of opportunity and today we're talking specifically about the new technology or maybe not so new, but certainly gaining popularity of machine learning, is this a window that any company should be embracing, Andreas, a little company, a startup, a midsize, an SME, what I call the big behemoth enterprises? Who should be opening this shade, keeping it open and saying, welcome machine learning? So I, I think machine learning is, is equally relevant um, to, to each and, and, and every company, no matter how large you are or small you are. There's something each company can do. If you look at your processes, um, whether it's in, in finance or, or HR, there's tremendous potential uh, to, to leverage machine learning to help further automate um, processes, to automate tasks that you need to do that you don't necessarily want to do yourself. Right? Um, or think about it very differently, like that, how you um, create value for, for your customers. It, uh, machine learning helps you enable entirely new business models because um, you can rely on, on data um, and, and with data and insights, you're able to make better decisions that drive these outcomes. Thank you very much. Great introduction to our topic, Andreas Welsh. Pleasure to have you on board. And now I'm going to turn to your colleague, Dr. Dirk Jindraska. And Dirk has sent us a quote from another favorite, W. Edwards Deming. Anybody doesn't know Deming? He lived from 1900 to 1993, a long, productive life. An American engineer, statistician, professor, author, lecturer, and management consulting. His book, one of his books, The New Economics for Industry, Government, and Education. Uh, let's see. I'm going to read down a little bit. What he's also known for was in Japan after World War II, he worked with the leaders of Japanese industry, and many credit Deming as an inspiration for the Japanese post-war economic miracle from 1950 to 1960. He taught them a lot of processes. So here is the quote, a very famous quote, Dirk. I'm glad you brought it to us again. In God we trust, all others bring data. Dr. Dirk Jendraska, how are you today? I'm good, Bonnie. I'm good. So tell so, me about this well, quote. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I really like that quote because I'm a strong believer in data. And this is not only true since uh, I work in the area of machine learning, but it was something which is um, with me for my whole life um, because data is actually the, the source and um, the, the starting point for every improvement you're doing. And uh, spending quite some of my life in, in consulting, I'm, 
I was really always busy with trying to find ways to do things better. And data is your starting point. It's it's kind of, of a jewel you need to treat and you need to work on um, to make things work and improve and uh, come to, to new and different solutions and insights. And now with machine learning, we're having this great situation that the, for the first time, I would say, we have tools available, which gives us a total new access to data, which gives us total new opportunity to work with data. Mm -hmm. And by that, um, giving us the opportunity to really explore and go where no one has gone before. And that is um, actually, for me, the true value of data, which is getting, which was always there and is getting now more and more dominant, more and more important. So whoever has data out there in his business, he can make use out of that. Uh, he could use, make use of it, that in the past, and I'm sure everybody did, but there's now a new level arising, and that's which really fascinates me, and this is why this quote is more true than ever for me and I think for everybody else. Thank you very much, and, and I so appreciate that you brought in data into the quote, Dirk. May I call you Dirk, or shall I call you Dr. Jindraska? What do you prefer? Oh, Definitely, Dirk. Okay, thank you very much. Just wanted to get permission. I have a long family list of doctors and PhDs, MDs and PhDs, and I always try to be respectful of advanced degrees. So thank you for that, Dirk. Uh, I'm, I'm very pleased I was saying that you brought a quote with the word data because uh, that's one of the core things we're going to be talking about is what can machine learning do to help you harness that data, make it intelligent, use it for competitive, use it for growth. So thank you for the explanation and the great quote. And now I'm turning to our third panelist, another doctor. Dr. Urko Sanchez, and Urko has sent us a Chinese proverb, and I actually have the Chinese characters here. I'm going to attempt to say it in Chinese first. Urko, I hope I don't don't do injustice to this. Then I'll read it in English. Lu Yao Ji Ma Li. I hope I said that right. And the, in English, it's <coughs> a long a long road tests the strength of a horse. Let me read a little background on the quote, Urko, if you don't mind. I looked it up. Uh, let's see. It's the first part of the saying. There's a long saying which means as a long road tests the strength of a horse, so time reveals a person's heart. Chinese proverbs, like Chinese idioms, have layer upon layer of wisdom. They're sayings for people's daily lives. They often originate within families, from street vendors, and from people all walks of life. This phrase can be, I don't know if you knew the circle, this phrase can be traced to the first act of the opera, Repaying One's Kindness, written during the Wan, Y-U-A-N dynasty, A.D. 1279 to 1368. Did you know this was from an opera, Erko? Yeah, in fact, I didn't know that much information, in fact, so I did know the proverb, uh, and I kind of like follow this, uh, this proverb all, all my life, let's say, but I didn't know that uh, it was just, yeah, that much information, let's say. There you go. I do my homework, my dear. So go ahead, Erko, tell us how you picked this <laughs> quote, a long road tests the strength of a horse. We're talking machine learning and intelligent enterprise in 2017, and now we're talking about a Chinese proverb from 1279. So do the, relate, do the link for me, please. Thank you very much, Bonnie. Hello to everyone. Um, so yes, I think what this um, proverb comes to say is uh, pretty much what, what Dirk was saying. So what it says is that data is important. So data, you need to have data in order to judge situations, in order to take decisions. And you cannot uh, somehow take these decisions or judge the situation only with small data or with only noise. And this is essentially 
how we live, right? So you do not know if your friend is uh, your real friend until you, you test them in challenging situation, in a, let's say, varied set of situations that tells you when this person is uh, next to you or not. And the same happens with innovation, for example. So we talk about innovation Somehow, you have no, the, no chance to be a one-hit wonder, right? So you need to be investing constantly. You need to be yeah, working hard for a prolonged uh, time until you, you get some results. There. So it, it is, uh, innovation is one of the most challenging things in research um, because you need to invest a lot of time. You need to um, somehow be there um, depressed uh, and, and you need to be uh, working with uh, a lot of people that are going to be kind of like pushing you forward um, otherwise there is no success and somehow you need to you need to have all, all this signal all this data okay and now let's tie that into machine learning how is it going to help us get that innovation initiative going is it going to help us process what we called in the beginning the repetitive processes and relieve the time for people humans to do more of the thinking work rather than the Number crunching work. How do you see that, Erko? Well, I think that um, uh, so. Let's say that machine learning is essentially the tool that uh, is um, yeah, enabling uh, all the all the knowledge from from the data. So we are able right now to extract insights and patterns from the data that we were not able to do before. And um, all this data that is around is kind of like telling us a story. The only thing that we need to do is to find the tool to uh, unravel this story. And this is essentially what we are doing with, with machine learning and AI. So we are trying to improve uh, these tools to find possible use cases, uh, find possible ways to, to improve our daily work, um, our society in general, um, by applying machine learning algorithms on data and, and extracting all, all these insights and later on use them. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Great intro as well. Thank you to all three of you. Excellent quotes, and I love to be able to read a quote in Chinese. I appreciate that, Ergo. And I taught you something, and you taught me something. Now, let's circle back to Andreas Welsh. And Andreas, uh, I'd love to know two things. Number one, where are you calling from, or where did we reach you in the world today for the show? And either what's in your cup today, right now during the show, if it's interesting, if not, forget about it. Tell me, what's your favorite drink in the whole wide world? that makes you smile and makes you feel okay. good. Andreas, go ahead. Sure, thanks. So I'm, I'm calling in just outside of Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania in the U.S. And in my cup today is a double espresso. And here's the story why there's double espresso in, in that cup. So about 15 years ago, um, I went to, to Italy with a group of friends. Went to, to this region called Dolomites. My friend uh, ordered a drink called Bicicletta, which is white wine and Campari. Um, and it tasted really, really good. So then, about 15 years ago, or sorry, 10 years ago, um, my wife and I, we were dating at the time, went to Milan. And um, I thought I, I could impress her. So we went to a cafe and I tried to order this, the same drink, the Bicicletta. But the barkeeper kept looking at me funny and, and was smiling. I wasn't sure if he wasn't understanding what, what I was um, asking him for, what kind of drink I wanted. And he kept laughing and, and saying something in, in Italian and was pointing out outside uh, to the street where people were riding their bikes. Uh-huh. And it turned out Pizza in Italian means bicycle. Yes. Um, so <laughs> I quickly turned around and said, okay, I'll have, I'll, I'll have a double espresso. So that's why there's espresso in my cup today. 
Oh, that is, is so charming. I have to tell you, I look. I think I warned you on the prep call that I like to do quick Google searches on the air. I looked up uh, Wet Your Appetite with Campari and White Wine Cocktail. And here's what it says, Andreas. I think you'll enjoy this. As the war- weather warms, this was written um, in April uh, a couple of years ago. Turn to a classic Italian aperitif, the bicyclette, which is bicycle with TTE on the end, as your go-to cocktail. This orange-hued drink is both bracing and slightly bitter, which makes it perfect for appetites before bar snacks or dinner. The best part, you probably already have the ingredients at home, and they call it a picnic perfect tipple. I'm just going to stop there, but that's very interesting, the BC Clef. Thank you very much. <laughs> wonderful st- wonderful story. I thought you were going to say the bartender was the one who had served it to you five years before, and he remembered no. <laughs> you. That would have been even more interesting in terms of processing all data. There we go. Thank you, Andreas. Exactly. And, and how's your Thanks. how's your weather in Philly? Is it is it good or what is what's it doing there today? Uh, it's, it's it's been raining a little bit this morning, just drizzling. Not too bad. Okay. Yep. It's kind of gray here. I'll tell you where I am in a minute. Dr. Dirk Jendraska, I know we called you. Why don't you tell us where you are and what's in your cup or what would you rather be drinking? So right now in my cup or better in my glass, there is Club Mate, which is a lemonade made actually out of the Paraguayan um, tea mate. And uh, this is actually my preferred choice during the day of uh, my preferred source of caffeine. As I don't like coffee, it's just too mm-hmm. bitter for my taste. I go for lemonade, and this is my option I'm, I'm, I'm using um, to keep me energized next to, well, the topics I'm working on. Very interesting. And where you're in Germany today, right? I'm in Germany. I'm in the lovely village of Waldorf, where the SAP headquarters uh-huh. is, so close to Heidelberg. Yes, thank you very much. Interesting drink. Thank you very much. And Erko Sanchez, I forgot to ask you, you're a doctor as well. May I call you just Erko? Would you prefer to be Dr. Sanchez? I have to show you the same courtesy Urko. I showed Dirk. <laughs> Urko? Urko, please. Urko. Okay, Urko. I'll try to get that rolled R there. Urko, please, where are you today? (laughs) Rumor has it you're in Germany, too. And what do you drink, Hugo? What do you prefer to drink? So I'm right now located in uh, Berlin. I'm calling you from Berlin uh, in Germany. I don't know if there is a a Berlin in the United States. I think uh, you guys have a a city with every name of the cities in in Europe. So at least this one is the the one in Germany. Um, What I don't have in my cup today and uh, what it became uh, one of my favorite drinks, it's what it's called um, Mongolian tea. And um, somehow the, the way that I got to know Mongolian tea um, is somehow really curious. Um, so I, I lived for quite some time in, in China and in an area that it's called Inner Mongolia. It's close to, close to mm-hmm. the border with Mongolia, but it belongs to China. And yeah, somehow I was invited to uh, a Mongolian dinner, let's say, whatever, whatever that meant. And yeah, somehow the, the habit there is that uh, when they invite you for, for food, there has to be at the end of the, of the meal, there has to be some, some food remaining on, on, uh, on the table. Uh, but kind of like my culture is otherwise. My culture is somehow you need to finish everything that they offer you because it's polite. So at the end, if you put the two <laughs> things together, what happens is that I was eating more and more and they were like offering more and more and more. Uh, so that was a really bad combo. 
and <laughs> at some point they uh, yeah it was like yeah close to close to that yeah. and uh, somehow they um, I thought that it was a good idea to to ask for a tea so I'm not super fan of tea but uh, somehow I I wanted to have something digestive so I ordered a tea and they asked me hey, do you want to have a, a Mongolian tea and I assumed that yeah tea is tea right so it's kind of like digestive and I said yeah of course I, I always uh, keen to to try local stuff and it turns out that the Mongolian tea it's uh, kind of like not what you can imagine so Mongolian tea is also made out of uh, milk it contains cheese uh, this one contains something similar to jerky beef um, so at the end it's more like a, I don't know like in a stew more than more than a tea <laughs> so when I saw that coming I was like okay but probably this is a <laughs> this is a bad option so I guess that the moral of the story is that you need to check um, the Wikipedia before you ask for uh, look at the specialties <laughs> I will look that up. But, you know, you said something very interesting that you think there are towns named Berlin or cities in the U.S. I looked that up while you were describing your drink very charmingly, Urko. And it says Berlin mm-hmm. is well known as the capital of Germany, but there are dozens of towns named Berlin all over mm. the United States. The German-American Heritage Museum in Washington, D.C. created an exhibit Berlin's Made in the USA, and they say the state of Ohio Mm -hmm. has the most Berlins of all U.S. states, Berlin Township in Delaware County, Ohio, Berlin Township in Erie County, Berlin Heights in Erie County, Berlin Township in Holmes County, Berlin Township in Knox County, Berlin Township in Mahoning (laughs) County, and a Berlin Center in Mahoning County, Unincorporated. And they say 15% of Americans claim German ancestry, so most of these Berlin towns have at least 40% German, and there are some Dakotas that have Berlins as well. What can I tell you? Wow, that was a interesting wow. comment you made. <laughs> Nobody has ever made that comment before. I'm going to have to use that as trivia on a team call today. I have a team call. Thank you, gentlemen. Very, very interesting. Well, you don't know me. Now that I know you, I'll share with you that they do not allow me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. So all I'm allowed to have is water. So I have cool, clear water in my mug and a cool, clear mug, and I have a pink straw because I recently left New York after 33 years and moved to North Carolina. So that's where I'm broadcasting from today. And it was a gorgeous sunny day yesterday. And today it's kind of, eh, not sure if it's going to rain, if it's going to be cloudy, no sun yet. But my pink straw is optimistically hoping we see some sunshine today. So there you go. Now, we are talking to three experts on the field, in the field of intelligent enterprises and machine learning. Uh, you're listening to the Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Really delighted to be speaking with three experts, all from SAP, but that's just the way it goes sometimes. Andreas Welsh, Dr. Dirk Jandroska, and Dr. Urko Sanchez. We've heard where they're from, we've heard what they're doing, we've heard what they're drinking, and we've heard a little bit about their approach to machine learning as a tool for harnessing your data in the enterprise of any size company. So we're going to take a quick break, 90 seconds. You can count them along with us, and we're going to take a chance to take a sip of whatever we are drinking, and Andreas and I will launch the roundtable in earnest when we come back from the break. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. Here we are, and we're back with Andreas Welsh, Dr. Dirk Jindraska, and Dr. Erko Sanchez. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and this very serious topic, the intelligent enterprise, putting machine learning to work. It's a tool. It's helpful. It takes repetitive processes out of the hands of humans who may be bogged down or bored with it and helps you get the answers faster to unravel the mysteries that will help you innovate and grow and compete and be more efficient and productive. That's a quick overview recap of what we've discussed so far. Andreas Welsh is the business business development lead for machine learning at SAP, and he is going to start the roundtable with me, and here's what Andreas told us before the show. He said, from a customer and partner perspective, data is everywhere, and it's being generated at ever-increasing speeds and volumes. Here's the point. We are at the point where humans are no longer able to stay on top of everything being published in a certain field or to find the nuggets in their data on their own. Talk to me, Andreas. Machine learning, let's go. Sure. So, um, like you said, we um, every business has has data. Whether you're in in manufacturing and you are already thinking about uh, um, putting sensors in, into your machinery that generate data to help you determine when this machinery should be serviced again, or whether it's point of sale data, uh, what what your customers are are, are buying at, at the checkout line. Um, there's there's so much data available today um, that it's really getting tougher and tougher for, for uh, humans to, to sort through all this and, and to find what's actually meaningful and with that meaningful information, how you can use that to drive decisions. So I think that's where um, machine learning and things like 
the intelligent enterprise that we're talking about here are becoming uh, especially so important where we are, are able to help find those nuggets in, in the data and help make better decisions because, um, like I said, humans um, are, are no longer able to, to do this alone. And, and there's tremendous potential in, in, in every area of your business, um, whether it's, it's um, facing towards your external customers or in, in your internal processes. So the question is just where do you start? Okay, thank you very much. Good intro to this. Data everywhere. Data, data everywhere and not a drop to drink. That used to say water, water everywhere and not a drop to drink. Dirk, love to get your thoughts on what Andreas introduced for us. What do you think? Well, I couldn't agree more with Andreas. And what I'd like to highlight is um, about data. When we talked about data in the past, we were usually talking about nice tables with a lot of numbers in there, um, which are very nicely put um, into that table and uh, are maintained and are kind of boring as well. With machine learning, the new part about data is really this opens a, a whole new, new universe of data, which would, is now suddenly accessible and can be used for for computer and machine learning tasks. So I'm talking about, for example, um, like emails, text, letters. I talk about images. I talk about videos. So this is really the new part of what has what we see in in terms of of advancements in the last past. That we are opening a total new universe of data, which holds a lot of potential. And so, so I think it's it's a good idea for everybody out there um, to look into their assets and what they have and, and rethink whether or not what they considered before just being something useless, uh, not really be usable, now how they can make use out of that. So that's the new thing for me on data. Thank you very much. And Erko Sanchez, what are you thinking? So I would love to disagree, to be honest, just to be a little bit conflictive here. But yes, uh, go a, ahead. That's not the case. I, <laughs> I, I definitely agree um, with both of them. I think we are uh, all in the business of, of uh, yeah, exploring data, extracting information from data, and, and somehow we all see and understand that data is somehow the new gold. Um, and pretty much following on what uh, Dirk just said, um, it is right now kind of like a good exercise for every customer and even for every individual to check uh, what kind of data um, it's producing and, and if this data is interesting or not, or if you can get something out of this data. And somehow different companies can, can help you in understanding that, but you're the first one that you need to look at what you are producing and, and checking kind of like brainstorming with yourself, trying to, to get uh, the idea of how this data can be used. And right now we have uh, all these powerful tools to, to extract information and to extract um, insights from the data and yeah somehow I think yeah the topic uh, even when we are talking about innovation we are talking about machine learning uh, it's pretty clear that, that what we are somehow building on top is data so this is our first uh, building block and, and everything right now is about data Thank you very much I'm going to circle back to Andreas Welsh and ask you if you have any comments about what Dirk and Erko added to your topic yeah, I think that the, the point that Dirk brought up about the different kinds of data um, that, that, that really um, um, in, in inspired me. Um, and that's something that, that really gets me excited about this, this field because it's, it's um, yes, it is text-based uh, use cases. Yes, there are um, uh, things around natural language and understanding and processing that. But then there's also this en- entire uh, field of, of computer vision where you can recognize objects um, 
using machine learning, um, where you, for example, can count the items on a pallet before you put it on a trailer and ship it off, um, where you can determine if, if, if there are any um, um, faults in, in, in the product that you are producing, so from a quality perspective, and, and many, many others. Um, so these are things um, um, businesses should, should think about it as well, how they could um, leverage those kind of things where it hasn't been possible to do this uh, at, at scale uh, and, and reliably until now. Now we're able to do that, and I'm really excited about that. Thank you. I'm glad you introduced the word excited because this is an exciting area and uh, the, the overwhelming quantity, the speed, the volume of data, I, uh, I think somebody mentioned it's coming at us from everywhere. I think that, whose notes were that? I think that was Andreas, uh, at, at faster than ever speeds and larger volumes. So what in the world do you do with it and how do you know where the patterns are? The human brain just can't cope with that anymore. So somebody who was human invented machine learning to do it for us. Great possibilities. Thank you very much, Andreas. Dr. Dirk Jandraska, I'm looking at your notes here and I think it's time to call do a me, little level. Call me Dirk. Dirk. Uh, Dirk. Yes. Well, I just want to be Thanks. formal when I introduce you. I promise I'll just call you Dirk. We're such good friends now. So, Dirk, you, you're going to help us unravel some confusion in terminology. We talk about new technologies. We talk about machine learning and deep learning and artificial intelligence and an Internet of Things. And we, we just pass off these buzzwords like we're talking about coffee or juice or water or milk. Well, they're all beverages. Well, they're all innovative technologies. But you told me in your notes, machine learning and artificial intelligence, we can say ML and AI, are terms that are often confused. So I'd love for you to tell us What's the basic definition our listeners need to take away? And then we'll go around the table and see if Erko, I don't know if he's going to agree with you or not, but let's see. And then Andreas. So go ahead, Dirk, please. <laughs> Thanks, Bonnie. So I think it, it's good to, to stay, um, take a step back um, because I, the topic of machine learning is a topic where a lot of our listeners would have heard of, but not everybody I would assume is an expert yet in machine learning, but I promise that might, there's a good chance that this might change um, in the very near future as machine learning is so important for us. Let me just refer back a bit of um, now those, what those terms are and what it is. Let me start with machine learning itself. So what is the special part about machine learning? It is obviously machines are learning. That's in the word and can be easy picked. Um, and a lot of, People might have the idea machines are learning already for the past that we are using computers um, for quite some time. So the interesting part about machine learning is previously when computers are working, they are executing a defined um, piece of code where it is determined from the very beginning to the end what it does. Now, with machine learning, suddenly what comes into that, that you don't know actually what the computer is doing from the beginning of the end because he reacts on on data so it's it's not a computer being programmed but instead learning based on data and this is why we were talking about data so much um in the future and why we're also excited about data because that is now the starting point it's not the algorithm defined by a software developer but instead it's the computer learning itself improving itself its skills um based on data and so machine learning is right now a hot topic, and it is an important topic as the broader um, term where this all fits in is artificial intelligence. 
and we all made contact with artificial intelligence, most likely in movies, uh, where we see how machine, how artificial intelligence can can do things which we don't like uh, to do. But um, this is not the reality right now. But one part, one way how we can achieve this artificial artificial intelligence is actually machine learning. That's how I would uh, see it and, and position it. And machine learning, uh, well, while artificial intelligence looks kind of uh, a bit away and we don't see this um, everywhere, machine learning is here and it is real and this is really tangible. It really works and, and can help us in our daily life, can help us in our businesses. And uh, therefore, I think it's good to, to keep those two terms apart, even though very closely related. Machine learning is, is what it is our doorsteps right now. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Erko, on a first-name basis, we are following Dirk's lead with me. Tsk, tsk on Bonnie for calling him doctor again. Erko, what do you think? What's your definition of machine learning versus artificial intelligence? So, in fact, I think that this, this topic is, is, is really interesting, to be honest. So, uh, there is always this discussion about if we should even use the word uh, AI or not when we are talking to, uh, to, the, to the public, let's say. Um, and for me, I think I, I would be able to, to define what uh, machine learning is, but I don't know if I'm able to define what artificial intelligence is, um, to be honest. So, there is no consensus whatsoever in the community, and there are different opinions, sometimes really strong opinions on, on what AI means or not. Um, for me, the most interesting opinion is the one from, from Terence Tao, who is a um, field medal uh, in mathematics. Um, mm-hmm. The guy, some time ago, I think it was around 2015 or something like that, uh, he said that artificial intelligence is a moving target. So it's not something that we define, kind of like define today, and this is, the, uh, this is carbon stone. So the definition of AI kind of like changes over time. So kind of like if you look at what we call artificial intelligence in the 70s, it's something different with respect to what we call artificial intelligence today. And I think this is because also following on, on, the, on the thinking of, of Terence Tao is that essentially we feel like artificial intelligence is something that is going to be way beyond um, our capabilities, right? So it's something that it doesn't feel right now that we change the world with artificial intelligence. But if you go to the 70s probably and you look what we achieved today with things like, I don't know, beating the, the world um, uh, best player in, in the world in, in Go uh, with artificial intelligence or machine learning in this case, um, probably they will say, oh wow, this, this is already artificial intelligence. We are already there. Um, I think that Using the term artificial intelligence is a little bit tricky, and, and to be honest, I find myself sometimes using the, the, the term artificial intelligence, which I, to be honest, don't feel comfortable uh, sometimes because I think it's, it's kind of like an overstatement. People do expect way more from artificial intelligence than what we have today. And kind of like also following what, what Dirk said, um, I think we are really far away from any kind of these, these topic futures that even some important people currently in the media are saying that uh, it's, it's our next threat or whatever. Um, I think we are really far from that, and especially the people that um, that are in, in the field that are working at a code level or at a, let's say, paper level, and they do know that this is really far away. So I think that we should focus more on how we can uh, improve our uh, daily life, how, can, how we can improve, the, the, let's say, the working in companies, and less fear about yeah, the dystopic futures in which, I don't know, the, the, the robots are start going with, like, in Skynet or... or kind of like Terminator. I think this is not, not realistic and won't happen in the time soon. 
Thank you very much. Very, very passionate, impassioned uh, conversation going on here. Andreas Welsh, we'd love to get your POV. What do you think? We have some interesting comments here on AI and ML. What's your perspective? Yeah, so so I think maybe maybe it's a bit oversimplified, but but I like to think of, of machine learning uh, as how children learn, right? Um, so you teach them this is a dog and this is a cat, and then after several iterations of, of them seeing a dog or a cat, they're able to um, to to determine if this is really a dog and this is really a cat. So in in, in some ways, that's what machine learning does as, as well when you um, uh, train it based based on data. Um, but then I think the artificial intelligence component that comes in is when the system or in, in, in the analogy, the child is, is making um, conscious conscious decisions and, and, and um, is able to, to reason um, based on the information that they have learned. So I think that's, huh. that's my distinction and how I like to, to explain it. Like I said, maybe it's a little oversimplified, um, but I think that's, that's where it's going. Very, very interesting. Dirk, I'm going to circle this back to you. This certainly sparked quite a, quite a conversation, a lot of good opinions here. What do you think after hearing Urko and Andreas? Dirk? Well, I'm, I can tell Urko is, is really the expert in, in the data science area. Um, and I can tell I'm not surprised to hear that there are a lot of troubles to define artificial intelligence. Having a kind of a psychology background myself, uh, what I can tell um, that scientists even stop to to, under, to define what um, human intelligence is. So finally, they came to the complete conclusion that intelligence is what actually a test is, is measuring. Um, so kind of weaseling out finding the the right answer or an answer for for that one. So I think we we shouldn't struggle for defining artificial intelligence. But what we can see and uh, that. I think where we all agree on this is that machine learning, that's really the real part in the real world. And it's not about, this is not about science any longer. This is now really where it matters for the business. Thank you very much, Dirk. And let's see. Oh, we have plenty of time here to move to a topic from Erko's list. Erko, here's something also provocative in your notes. Let's go to, we are in the transition phase from the digital to the intelligent enterprise. Yesterday's rule-based enterprise software is being replaced by modern machine learning ML systems, taking automation to the next level. I want to focus on digital to intelligent enterprise, which was part of what I was introducing and driving at in my opening today. So digital transformation uh, let's start with the question or the topic of a company that hasn't digitally transformed yet, digitized, digitalized, however you want to say it, are, are they going to survive, number one? And number two, how do we go from, yes, we're digital, to, yes, we're an intelligent enterprise? Can you take us on that journey, please, Erko? And then we will ask your colleagues to comment. Go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, the first point that uh, you were asking about, um, yeah, definitely the companies that didn't move to the digital era, I, I think they are at least going to suffer a lot. So I think um, kind of like a prerequisite to move to the intelligent enterprise is that you are already in a somehow digital form. And we are also somehow working on that also with uh, machine learning. So you could see companies that, for example, hospitals, so I've been working in the medical domain a bit, and you could see that some hospitals are kind of like 
yeah, still in the 70s or in the 60s, that they do have all their records written in a, a paper store in some folder somewhere. Um, so we say that we produce data, and that's true, uh, but there are some times in which this data is produced in a way that cannot be utilized. And all these companies that are, as I said, the example uh, from the hospital, that they are storing the data in a place that cannot be uh, somehow used, uh, these companies are going to suffer because it's going to come uh, somehow a new other company much more um, advanced using artificial intelligence slash machine learning slash IoT um, because they are already in the digital area and they are going to be 100 times more efficient. And there is no way to fight that. That's impossible. Now, moving to the question of how to move from digital to intelligent enterprise. Um, obviously, uh, we fall back again to the, to the question of what intelligent means. But in this particular case, if we define the uh, intelligent enterprise as the enterprise that um, uses machine learning to automate the different uh, kind of like pipelines uh, within, the, within the enterprise, um, what you need to have somehow is a clear idea of what you want to achieve. First, you need to analyze your processes. You need to understand which processes can be um, automated. And you need to understand what kind of data you're producing. And if you are not producing the data, just put your people to work on, on producing this kind of data. Once you have that, then you can start applying different uh, machine learning and, and data science in, in your pipelines and check step by step how, how this is improving. Also, um, let's say machine learning is not magic. It doesn't uh, work like you apply it once and suddenly all uh, it's, it's uh, working perfectly or everything is uh, end-to-end uh, marvelous. We are working towards automating parts in a somehow easy-to-use way, but still, as of today, there is a process in which you need to kind of like iterate with your customer. You need to understand the needs of the customer. You need to take the data. You need to trade on the data. You need to get feedback from them because somehow there is some gap between the pure technical or even the research community and the business community. So we are trying to kind of like close this gap step by step. Um, but this is something that as of today we are working uh, towards, uh, towards solving and probably is yeah, it's, it's going to be like really close to be solved, but still it's some work that we need to do, all the companies involved in this process. Thank you, Erko. Great explanation. And let's circle around to Andreas Welsh. Andreas, what do you think? Agree or disagree? Um, agree, and then we'd like to expand actually on, on that because I mm-hmm. think today um, the, the, the systems are, are, are in, a very, in, in many cases not assisting the user in, in, in ways that say, your colleague would, right? It's, it's, it's the end user punching in data or, or looking at things. But the system isn't, in, in many cases, not really um, responding proactively or, or making suggestions. So I think that's, that's where we will be seeing that, that change and, and, and that shift as we go from, um, from, from a rules-based enterprise to digital enterprise to an uh, intelligent enterprise where, where software becomes more of a colleague, right? It's an, it's an integrated component in, in, in your enterprise software um, that, that helps you make better decisions, that is contextual, has information available for you that, that is relevant um, to, to help you um, get the job done more efficiently and, and more effectively. And I think if, if you look at our lives as, as consumers, um, who, who would have thought five years ago, for example, um, that we would be talking to some device in our living room to turn on the lights to mm-hmm. turn on the TV, switch channels, or you know, even um, look up weather data or, or listen to radio, for example. So I think these, so I think these are, are some changes that we're going to see um, happening in the enterprise as well, where software is becoming more of an assistant um, rather than a tool to get the job done. 
Thank you very much. I was thinking about that funny thing. If I'm on a conversa- on a phone call, like on a Skype call or here on the radio, uh, Andreas, and I say something about our radio series and my cell phone is anywhere nearby, Siri hears me and all of a sudden I hear a voice across the room says, yes, what do you want to know? <laughs> saying, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Exactly. It just see it 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 triggers. Um, my my uh, my daughter and her husband live nearby here. Me and and they have some beautiful, uh, I'll just say antique lamps that we inherited from my mother who recently passed away, and they wanted to teach uh, Alexa to turn on certain lamps in their living room when it gets dark or just dusk. And so they had to teach her uh, the names of the different lamps. And I'd say eight out of ten times, Alexa knows which lamp to turn on and which lamp to turn off. And it's you just sit there and watch this and you say, what? <laughs> what? It's <laughs> just absolutely amazing. The teachability of machines and the personalities. That's a whole other topic. Uh, that was Andreas. We need to get Dirk in here. Dirk, machine learning, artificial intelligence, uh, What are we, the intelligent enterprise. What's your definition? So let me come back to, to the example you brought up on the lamps going on and off. Uh, so sure. in my home, I, I play around a bit myself with automating certain things. Don't ask my wife about that one. She's not <laughs> always happy when things are going down and up. But I think Go ahead. this is, is really, really telling us one story. And this is also very important for the intelligent enterprise. The human needs to be in control. And this is our strong belief. Well, we have the ability with machine learning and other technologies um, to, to improve uh, the life, take away the boring stuff, the repetitive stuff where you could um, actually where you don't need someone on and, and freeing up time for more interesting things. The important point for us, the human needs to be in control. The human is steering where the machine is going and not the other way around. Um, not sure if this always works at my home and with the machines, but that's more like, let's say, some challenges I'm, I'm very sure it will overcome um, soon. Thank you very much. And you know what? We are right at the cusp of the last segment of the show, and we are going to go into our crystal ball predictions round right now. I think we covered, Erko, we had your topic and went around the table once, but I'm going to circle back to Andreas right now because we have, oh, about five minutes left, and I want to make sure you each get a good 60 seconds, maybe 75 seconds, but who's counting, for your predictions. So our topic, again, is the intelligent enterprise putting machine learning to work, and we'd love to know, Andreas Welsh, you can start this off 60 seconds, pick a time in the future. I'm kind of keen on 2020 because we've been talking about it for years. It's another milestone, and it's almost here, three New Year's Eves away. And I'm wondering what you're going to be drinking then. But tell me, what's your prediction for intelligent enterprise, machine learning, maybe AI? What will change significantly at some point in the future? Andreas Welsh, 60 seconds, predictions, it's all yours. I think, so I think what we'll see in, in, in the next uh, three years, at least until 2020, and, and obviously beyond, is making incremental steps um, um, in, in, in this area to, towards achieving more artificial intelligence-like behavior to make systems smarter, um, have them in- interact differently with uh, end users so that uh, companies can create more value for, for their customers. Um, I, I think by then, if we look back, um, we'll, in, in some ways, 
think of it um, as uh, the, the stories we tell about the first cell phones we owned 10, 15, 20 years ago, what that was like, how, how clunky it was compared to what we have today, what types of, of, of information were not available then or un- unthinkable of to have at um, your fingertips that you do have available today. So I think in, in, in many ways, we'll, we'll be seeing uh, um, a, a similar evolution of, of uh, technology and, and adding value um, to, to the individual, to the business, to, to the customer. And I think once these individual um, technologies and, and systems that we have today are context-aware and are connected, that's where the true value is, is being unlocked. And that's where the true value um, um, becomes visible to, to each and, and, and every one of us, even more so than we already see today. So I'm really excited about, about that and, and being part of that journey. Thank you very much. And 60 seconds, Dirk Jendraska, all yours, Dirk. So I would say when we're in the year of 2020, for us, it will feel like not a lot of things have changed. And this is only due to the fact that machine learning is all around us, has um, become part of our life, like cell phones are today. And this will be an important thing, but it will be just very natural supporting us in our um, private life, will support us in our business life. And we will be able to focus much more on the things we really like to do. And we're much more powerful in things we can move. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point, Dr. Erko Sanchez. I saved 60. Actually, you know what, Erko? You get 90 seconds because mm-hmm. they were so brief. So that's a gift for you, Erko. Go ahead, 90 seconds. What do you predict any time in the future? Fantastic. That's a lot of time. So I think I'm going <laughs> to kind of like envision the future pretty much like like uh, following what Andrea, well, sorry, what uh, Dirk was saying. So I think we, machine learning is already all around us, but I think uh, we will get really used to that. It will become some kind of a commodity, like today it's the water or the Wi-Fi even. So you go to a place and you expect Wi-Fi to be there, right? I think this is going to happen the same uh, with, uh, with machine learning. And I think it's going to change many things, but in particular, I think one of the most exciting things that uh, this is going to change is the way that we interact with machines and even with our environment. I think we, we are going to change the way that, for example, we use our computer. So I think this keyboard and, and mouse is something that is already outdated. I think we are going to change that. We are going to be able to have um, algorithms that automatically redesign webs, that they automatically design um, all kind of interfaces. And I think this is going to improve the, a lot the, the life of, of the people working in, in different enterprises and also the, the people that are also kind of like in the daily life um, interacting with, with objects on the street, with objects in, um, in in an office. I think all of these kind of things are, are going to change a lot. And I don't know if 2020 it's uh, realistic, but I would say 2025 um, it probably is a moment in which we are going to see all these changes happening already. Thank you very much. Andreas Welsh, Dirk Jendraska, Erko Sanchez. Such a pleasure to speak with the three of you. I really enjoyed the conversation. You're all engaging and smart and charming and intelligent with nothing artificial. And I really appreciate all the time you took to prepare for the show. I hope you enjoyed it as well. We also love you, Bonnie. Oh. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. How to stop me in my tracks. I have to close the show. You can't be nice to me now. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to say thank you also to our engineer, Aaron 
at the Business Channel at World Talk Radio for getting us on the air and keeping us there. Aaron, pleasure to hear your voice again off air, and I hope Kevin is well, and he'll be back next week, but I really enjoy working with you. So here is my call to action. Quick shout-out, of course, to Adam Mardini and Ira Burke at SAP for putting this together. Great panel, great topic. We love controversial topics where we have an edge to the discussion. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Andreas Welch, just like Dirk Jendraska, and just like Erko Sanchez. Be back next week with a lot more, and we're debuting the return of Financial Excellence with Game Changers and a new series, Changing the Game with Life Sciences. You don't want to miss those shows. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.